0: Hi guys, I'm Emma and I'm Julie and we're the girls behind Common Spice Celebs and welcome back. I hope you all had an amazing Memorial Day weekend. I know this episode is coming out on Wednesday, which is different than our typical Tuesday, but everything kind of got pushed back a day because of the weekend. But we are here, we are ready, we have things to talk about, we have an exciting announcement to make, which holy shit, are you freaking out about too? I am, I mean, I am. <laughs> we'll say it at the end, but we're really excited. Um, Yeah, guys, there's a lot of stuff to talk about today. There, the Kardashian recap is stacked, and I feel like a lot of news happened that we haven't had a chance to talk about, and we're just excited to talk about it, so shall we? Please. We want to start with this whole Drake-Mallory-Eden situation, because we, so Julie's going to explain the whole thing, but I just want to say, we get a lot of emails from like 40 and 50 year old women who say, I listen to your podcast. You guys keep me young. I feel so informed. I had no idea what was going on. I was so embarrassed. I want to just be really clear for all of you guys, please know, boys our age were confused by this too and asking us. So this was not like, this had nothing to do with age or or knowing things about pop culture. People were a little confused as to the details of the story. So we just want to explain it because if you understand it, it is really funny.
1: So, Julie, let's take it away. Thought you'd never ask. Okay. (laughs) The Drake-Mallory Edens situation. Two main players, Drake and Mallory (laughs) Edens. You don't say. Drake is what we call in the industry a Toronto Raptors stan. (laughs) Why are you calling me a stan? He's from Toronto, so obviously the basketball team, the Toronto Raptors, he's a huge fan. He's been very, like, vocal about that. And during the series that was – the Eastern Conference, they, the Toronto Raptors played the Milwaukee Bucks. And Drake was very vocal on the sideline during the game. And, you know, like trash-talking the other team, whatever, all that stuff. And the Bucks came out being like, like essentially, shut up. Like, they, they thought it was very obnoxious the way that he was, and, and people didn't really like it, bad sportsmanship, whatever. So the next game after that all came out, Mallory Edens... Who is the owner of the Bucks' daughter wore a Pusha T-shirt to the game, to the Bucks Raptors game. Now, obviously, this was a dig at Drake because Drake and Pusha-T have a lot of beef, dating back to Pusha-T coming out talking about Drake's kid. So everyone went crazy for this girl who's obviously gorgeous, sitting on the sidelines, where next to Aaron Rodgers wearing a Pusha T-shirt, which is obviously diss at Drake. So Drake posts the picture of her on his story and writes, um, all is fair in war and war, and trust me, I'll still get you tickets to Ovo Fest. Hard eye emojis. So now there's this, like, hilarious back and forth relationship. He follows her on Instagram. He commented on her pictures. She put up a whole post about, like, sips tea during the game. It, it was just this very, very funny back and <laughs> forth.
0: What? No, it's it's just hilarious. Like here's this random. I'm mean, not that she's random. She's obviously the daughter, the you know, the daughter of of the of the team's the owner. But he, I let me tell you something. The last thing she was expecting was to Drake to not only basically hit on her. She goes fully
1: viral. Like I think if you know Drake well, you're <laughs> fully expecting him to hit on her. <laughs> Like, all she did was wear a push a T-shirt, and then all hell broke loose. I think
0: she knew—I ex- think she knew this would be as big as, as it got. I think she knew it would be big. I don't think she knew it would be like this. I mean— It was, it was a really— epic move. And the Instagram that Julie was talking about was Mallory uploaded a picture, you know, of her on the sidelines. And in the row behind her was this woman drinking. So the second slide was a zoomed in picture of the woman drinking. And the third slide was Kermit the frog, the the infamous meme of him sipping tea. And Drake commented on the picture and was like, that's me in the second row referring to, you know, drinking tea. So that's kind of what we posted. And that was the backstory. People were really confused, but it's really funny if you understand the context. So we just wanted to take a moment to explain it. Right. Yes, I think it's. I think it was hilarious. Yeah, I thought the whole thing was very well played and also amazing publicity for the Bucks.
1: Oh my God! Except you know? they
0: lost. Yeah, but still, I mean, her dad was probably thrilled. Yeah, who heard of the Bucks before this? <laughs> I know, not me. That's for damn sure. Okay, the next thing we want to talk about is, I'm sure some of you saw it because it was everywhere, but people were a little confused and a lot of us, a lot of you guys, were asking us to explain it. So that's what I'm going to do. So this was
1: the whole story with Moby and Natalie Portman. So. <laughs> Emma cannot stop calling him Moby Dick. She's like, are we going to talk about Moby Dick on the podcast? I'm like, the whale? Probably not.
0: I don't know what what got into me. I couldn't stop it. Anyway. Have you
1: ever even read Moby Dick? No. No.
0: I don't know why. It was at the front of my mind. Anyway, so Moby is a musician. He is 53 years old. And what happened was he wrote this new book, and it's called Then It Fell Apart. And in his book, he talks about having a— relationship with Natalie Portman when he was 33 and she was 20. And I'm going to read this quote. He says, For a few weeks I had tried to be Natalie's boyfriend, but it hadn't worked out. I thought that I was going to have to tell her that my panic was too egreg- egregious for me to be in a real relationship. But one night on the phone, she informed me that she'd met somebody else. I was relieved that I'd never have to tell her how damaged I was. So that was in his book, His, you know, him detailing the fact that they had some r- relationship. She, in an interview with Harper's Bazaar, responded to that, for context, she's now 37, and she says, and I quote, I was surprised to hear that he characterized the very short time that I knew him as dating, because my recollection is a much older man being creepy with me when I had just graduated high school. So she was saying, first of all, I was 18, not 20, as you said, and second of all, we didn't date. If anything, it was kind of a a creepy relationship that we had, that you you know, were being creepy with me. So... That in itself is kind of cringeworthy and weird. But what happened next, I thought, was the fucking weirdest thing to ever happen. He Instagrammed a picture of them from that time when he was apparently thirty three and she was twenty, allegedly now eighteen, where he's shirtless and he has his arm around her. She looks genuinely like she cannot wait to get out of this picture. He's the creepiest smile on his face. I'm just detailing the, what the picture looked like, and he writes basically saying that. I can't believe Natalie is saying that we didn't date. You know, I feel it's so sad that she's going to disrespect me like that. He says, it hurts to be lied about, especially as I've always respected her and thought we were friends. So everybody's like, wait a second. First off, this woman comes out and says that her 18-year-old self was uncomfortable with, you know, your antics as as this 33-year-old man. Instead of just either not touching on it or apologizing, he then comes out being like, I can't believe she said we didn't date. So
1: everybody's kind of like, dude, what the fuck? Like, didn't you feel that way? It was, yeah. it was a major lacking social cues moment. I have to say from everything I've, I've ever heard about Moby, which isn't a ton, this kind of uh, fits the mold. Yeah,
0: I, I don't know any really thing about him. So he posts this picture and everybody in the comment section is like, dude, <laughs> like, you, you got to chill. Like, you, you, this, this is fucking weird. I guess he then realized that Because of the outrage that it spoke, that he had to say something, so he posted a picture that said, "From Moby, an apology," and he writes, "As some time has passed, I've realized that many of the criticisms leveled at me regarding my inclusion of Natalie, and then it fell apart, are very valid." And he says that like he should have acted more responsibly and respectively, uh, respectfully given the age difference. And he says, you know, that he really admires her intelligence, her creativity, her animal rights activism. And he says that, you know, he really tries hard to approach everyone in his life with dignity and respect and that his actions were inconsiderate. So he says, so for that, I apologize to Natalie as well as to the other people I wrote about. And then it fell apart without telling them beforehand. Like, great that he apologized. The whole thing. That's
1: not so chill to write about people without telling them. The whole thing was just
0: fucking weird. And I was very uncomfortable by this story. I wasn't even uncomfortable by the initial, like, okay, it's one thing if he's going to if he's gonna lie about it, but to then Instagramming, like, I
1: can't believe she lied and said we didn't date. Also, as if, like, a picture of the two of you proves that you dated. But also, the particular picture? Yeah, it was creepy. She, like, literally looked like she was like, I have to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, oh. It's just weird. Like, that's not, just because you have a picture together, it's not proof.
0: This is the epitome of someone who did not run it by his publicist. He pulled a Justin Bieber, if you will.
1: There's also, I think, um, probably as an older person in the business, I think that you probably have um, publicists who who are maybe a little bit out of touch as well.
0: Totally. You're saying that he lacks some of the standards associated with, like, accountability
1: with— Yeah, I think that, um, you know, there's a very different view that our generation has towards these types of things than an older generation where it's like— Older generations, I think, tend to see these these situations as very black and white. Either it was consensual or it wasn't consensual. And that's the way they approach things. So, it, And I don't even know if Moby has a publicist. That's why I'm just saying that I think that when you go about this, oh, oh, you guys were in a relationship, oh, you have a picture together? Oh, my God, prove it. Show that you guys, tell your side of the story. Whereas the, our generation, it's like, yeah, just because this happened doesn't mean that everything was 100% kosher with it. And I think that older generations have, not everybody, obviously, but have a little bit harder of a time grasping that concept. So a lot of the times when older actors or older people in the industry want to do something, they're not thinking the way that our generation does. No, I think you're spot on. Even regardless of all of the Me Too stuff, because I think that even with the Me Too stuff, they're, they're starting to understand that gray area in between like yes and no and But I think they still see it as two very, like, concrete terms.
0: Again, I totally agree with you. And I think that would also extend to other things, like LGBTQ issues and stuff. Everything. Just not
1: speaking as sensitively or as honestly, and
0: not even from a—just from a point of ignorance, not even from a point of of intentional disrespect. Right. It's it's a
1: very—you know, I think that a lot of people are learning, and I don't think it's an excuse for the way they act. But we were raised very differently than an older generation, whereas we were— you know, from a young age, taught all of these things and taught about inclusion and talk. I mean, even our generation to uh, the younger, the kids in the class. You know, I was talking to somebody about um, somebody who was whose kid is, identifies as a female, but as is, is, was born a male, and they were like saying how they were so worried about the way that they were going to per- be perceived in school. I think they're they're very young, and I was saying I was like, it's it's not like that anymore. These kids are very, very, for the most part, understanding and accepting of that because they were just raised with that being the norm and each generation understands that a little bit more and a little bit better so you know for the older generation who wasn't raised that way they're in this period where it's like you can't teach an old dog new tricks but they have to be taught. They have then. to be
0: taught. No, I know. I also just want to I know exactly what you're
1: saying. I just think it's clear to to
0: you know acknowledge. Clearly there's so much bullying that goes on with, with oh, people. Oh no, no, I no. Just want I, to, I just
1: mean it's 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 uh, much of course. I just i I, I know what you're saying, yes. but for people that are listening, I just want to clarify of course there's it's, it's much what I mean is it's much much, much more different than when we were younger. And the bullying was and obviously the bullying still takes place, but I'm talking about like a very young and I've seen it firsthand because I was a counselor and I had campers who were very young and, and campers who went through this it, it's just much more normalized for them than it was for us
0: completely when I, I I told you this when I was in when I was working in the Bronx and there was sixth seventh and eighth graders it was't nobody blinked there was You know, there were lesbian couples at six and nobody even, which is amazing. They shouldn't. But exactly my experience in sixth sixth grade, that was not the norm. People were not as chill about it. There just wasn't. And it's amazing that it's like this. But yeah, you're totally right. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And... Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash cbc for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's com slash cbc to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash cbc. Okay, moving on to The Voice. So Adam Levine is leaving The Voice, which kind of came as, I think, a little bit of a shock. Not People weren't necessarily
1: anticipating it. No, I, I think... Yeah, it was very bizarre, but I think from what I've read, people are surprised about the way it ended.
0: Yeah, so just to give some background, he's been there for 16 seasons, which is eight years, and you know, John Legend, Kelly Clarkson, and Blake Shelton are all staying. Interestingly enough, though, Gwen Stefani will be taking Adam's spot, which is going to be very interesting, obviously, because of Blake and Gwen's relationship and how that translates to on camera and their dynamic with the other judges, I think, is going to be kind of fascinating I to think watch. it's going
1: to be really interesting Personally, to watch. Personally, I'm into that. The thing with the show is they all have such an amazing dynamic and it's such a, um, like, the the judges are as much a part of the show as the the contestants are. So it was like their interactions and their relationship are such a huge reason why the show is so successful. And I think it'll just be, like, because Blake and Adam had this very funny um relationship with each other where they, they, you know, they kind of made fun of each other a little bit. So it would have been, it would have been even more interesting if Adam had stayed and Gwen had joined to see, yeah. like, the way the three of them would have interacted.
0: No, totally. Moving on to Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton. <laughs> we have to talk about this because it's honestly the weirdest fucking thing that has ever happened. So let me set the scene. So Paris was on Watch What Happens Live. I, we even may have talked about this uh, last week. I don't remember exactly when it happened, but let me just explain wh- why, what the next thing I'm about to talk about. So... She was asked, she was playing Plead the Fifth, and she was asked to say three nice things about Lindsay Lohan. And she started by saying beyond, which we kind of expected maybe there was some positivity. And then she said lame and embarrassing. So as you know, Paris has not been shy about voicing her dislike towards Lindsay and kind of almost like her disgust or her disrespect, right? I think that's a good word. She's like, yeah. wants nothing to do with her. Lindsay Lohan then a couple of days ago posted an old throwback picture of her in Paris with a caption, Beyond Friends Are True, love at Paris Hilton, congrats on your new song. And everybody was like, dude, what the fuck? And then not only did she do that, she also posted and then deleted a picture of her and Nikki Hilton, and then she started following Paris on Instagram. Everybody was like, okay, this is her way of kind of, you know,
1: clapping back, I guess, right? It was so bizarre. It was so weird. It was like, like... I couldn't tell whether Lindsay was trying to take the high road. I can't tell whether Lindsay was trying to prove they were friends. I can't tell whether Lindsay was clapping back. I don't know what her intentions were. It was so bizarre, but so Lindsay.
0: We get so many questions asking us, like, what is going on with Lindsay Lohan? Her Instagram antics are so fucking weird. What I have to tell you is that I have absolutely no idea. None. I think that she's— I honestly think that she's suffering from something like serious, and I think that it needs to be taken a little bit more seriously than it maybe is because I'm surprised that she has this much access to almost like publicly embarrassing herself in the way that she does
1: c- continually. Do you know what I mean? The story of Lindsay Lohan is like. Talk about a bonus episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's obviously, obviously being
0: done. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much there. And if you notice, it's her and her—
1: something that was really fucking weird, which we didn't post about it because the comment— the, the comment There's got a deleted. lot of times where we don't post Lindsay ones because we're like, it, it's too bizarre that it's bordering on insensitive for us to post.
0: Let me tell you guys how much that happens. We have an album of Lindsay Lohan ones that we purposely don't post because we're afraid at the, like, mental health
1: backlash that's going to come
0: from it, I almost feel like, right?
1: Yeah, I, I, it's just—it's it, part, like— I feel like I don't want to keep piling on. Yeah, I just want but to— But it's her- like everyone knows. Like, everyone sees it, and everyone's seeing these weird comments, and her posting these weird pictures and commenting things back at herself that have nothing to do with anything. It's it's a very bizarre and, like, definitely a little concerning.
0: But also, the one that we didn't post—it wasn't a her comment—was on Mother's Day, she uploaded a picture of her and her sister and uh, her mom and her like her brother and her dad but her dad was in the picture and it was you know she was saying happy mother's day which I guess some people thought it was weird that she didn't upload a picture of just her and her mom or whatever and her sister Allie commented being like Lindsay why would you upload this when we were raised by a single mother
1: I didn't even see that yeah it was deleted remember Kind of, vaguely not that you saying it, but a couple, we never even spoke about
0: this. No, because it got deleted before I could even do anything about it. But I was I was like, wow, that's fucking interesting. But again, weird that her sister would comment that publicly as opposed to just texting her.
1: I would love like, to just sit down with all the Lohans.
0: You know what someone said? Someone commented on our picture and was like, what, the Paris Hilton one was like, MTV, we don't want a reality show about Lohan Mykonos Beach Club. We want a reality show about behind the scenes of her Instagram. And I was like, if that's not the fucking truest statement I've ever heard in my life—
1: could you imagine? Just what, I want her to say what goes through her. Like, I want an explanation for everything she does on social media. I, I don't even know if she could give it to us. I don't even think she realizes half the time what she's doing or what she's She literally will comment, like, at Tyga and writes something that has nothing to do with Tyga. And t- it's on her own picture. Do you
0: think, though, that if she's going through a genuine, like, mental health struggle that her mom isn't either in tune with it or, like, do, do you think—I guess my question would be, do you think she has people around her that are— receptive to what's happening or do you think that I we're think just I think she's never
1: I think she has never had people around her who's receptive can to I play her.
0: devil's advocate for a half a second I'm not Please. saying I agree with this that everybody's kind of being dramatic and this is her and she's just really she kind of is just off a rocker and that's kind of how she operates or you think that something serious is going on
1: Um, it, it's hard to say like I don't I don't feel comfortable looking at somebody's Instagram comments and being like, this is what's going on or this is what's wrong or or you're suffering mentally or you're, like, I I wouldn't feel comfortable making that assertion. I just think that it's definitely not the norm. I don't know if, I wouldn't go as far to say is, is her Instagram antics make it seem like she's a danger to herself or somebody else. I don't know, but there's definitely something off about it. There's definitely something that's like,
0: yeah, and also more than just the comments. So I'm not even talking about the comments. Have you ever seen when she'll randomly go live? I do not like the people she sometimes goes live and she's with these men, and it's such a weird dynamic.
1: Like I, yeah, I, I I don't know. I think a problem with Lindsay Lohan is that, and it's the same problem with Britney Spears and the same, like everyone that she surrounded herself with was profiting off of her. And this is something that we talk about a lot of times with people in the industry, where it's like, you need people around you that aren't your family, that aren't making money from you, because if you get yes to death, this is what you end up. And everybody says yes, yes, yes to everything you want to do, and it just goes downhill. And I don't think for the longest time, Lindsay had anybody around her that was saying, no, you can't do this, this isn't right. And that's how she ended up in the situation she did. Now, I think now, looking back between... Let's say three points of Lindsay Lohan, which is the beginning of her career, like America's sweetheart, the cute little girl that was Lindsay Lohan, to the 2007 to 2000 whenever you know drugs arrest DUIs, to now, it's it's such a vast difference between now and and that that maybe it's like okay, you know she's not on drugs anymore. We assume she seems to be she can hold a job she can she has her club she's in Mykonos she's away from the spotlight maybe. She's not 100%, but she's not what she was, and let's just leave it at that. I I, I don't know. I, there's definitely something wrong. There's definitely something off. I just don't know if it's a cause for concern or if it's just who she is at this that, point. Right, that's
0: what I'm saying. I, I, I don't exactly. know. Exactly. I don't know either. It, it would be very interesting to find out. I would love to do a deep dive into Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. And we will, my friend. Thank <laughs> you. A- Isabel, Isabel, who's sitting on the floor, add it to the list. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> okay. We just want to take one minute to tell you guys about Tikis. I know we talk about them all the time because we are so obsessed with this brand. So they are the leather sandals that are handcrafted in Brazil. Here's how it happened. So basically, Tikis was founded by a husband and wife duo, Carly and Jesse Burnett. And Carly came up with the idea when they were in St. Barts. So every year they go back to St. Barts with their two kids. It's very, if you've been to St. Barts or know anything about it, these sandals are very much kind of on brand, simple, elegant, classy. they just launched their vegan leather, which is the matte collection. And their best-selling shade is actually Cocoa Butter. They also have a nudes collection, which was designed to match every skin tone. Personally, our favorite thing about this brand is that there's monogramming available. So, you know, it's like one thing to monogram your luggage or your bag, but to actually be able to do it to your sandals is very cool. And it's it's an amazing accessory, um, you know, or a gift bag for bridal showers or or baby showers or whatever it is. And Fun fact, which we love to say, Anna Wintour bought tiki's for all of the women at her daughter B. Schaefer's wedding, which we always say because it's so true. Like, what better stamp of approval than Anna Wintour, thinking your product is superior like that? You've also probably seen them on Beyonce, Angelina Jolie, Cindy Crawford, Steph Shep, and all over Instagram. So... Our listeners get 15% off with the code CBC. Go to www.tikies.com slash CBC. That's T-K-E-E-S dot com slash CBC. So again, go to www.tikies.com slash CBC to check out the pairs that they have. Our listeners get 15% off with the code CBC. Okay, now back to the show. Uh, moving on now to, we had covered the Roger Wow stuff a lot while it was happening. And it's kind of been like a developing situation, I guess you could say. Obviously, there were abuse allegations against him and they, you know, were separated, filing for divorce, whatever. Anyway, so two things that happened. First of all, Jenny went public. She's 33 and she went public with her boyfriend, Zach Clayton Carpinello. He is 24. He's kind of, for lack of a better word, just a stud. Exactly what you would picture her to be with, like a tall, jacked, Italian guy. And I guess because of The fact that Roger posts so much with the kids, and not that Jenny doesn't, but that Jenny posts a lot, you know, going out, she's definitely more of a celebrity between the two of them, and she was posting with her boyfriend that people, the trolls, were really taking to her comment section, kind of attacking her and her, her parenting. So Roger posted an Instagram on Monday defending her that said, There seems to be an overflow of negative comments, both towards me and towards Jenny, on many of my posts still. I'm a big boy and a proud supporter of free speech. I can take it. Jenny also has tough skin and can take it. However, the comments as to who the better parent is or who spends more time with our children are unnecessary. I accept my responsibility in the divide I caused in the eyes of the public, but I'll always post about my children. And if we can move past the negativity, certainly it wouldn't be too much to ask for everyone else too. We both love our children empathically and always will. It takes far more effort and energy to be negative than it does to be positive. Enjoy this beautiful day. I thought that was a really good move on his part. It was, yeah, it was excellent. Very classy. Like, well done. Yeah. I, Not saying, listen, I totally uh, like stand by her and her allegations against him and everything completely. I'm just saying this particular thing I thought was a good move. That was what he should have done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I yeah, I don't think there's there's, there's not much to say. We just wanted to, to tell say. you because a lot of it is like a developing story. It's been going on for a while now. So anytime there's a new major update, and her coming out, I have to say, her coming out with her younger boyfriend, which there is absolutely nothing wrong with, but in in the public eye. Can be seen as like, oh my God, what is this quote mother doing? You know, like the whole mom shame thing yeah. was a move, was a brave move of her because she knows that the, the reaction
1: that she was gonna get and she did it anyway. And I thought that to him, then to kind of come to her defense was,
0: was, it was really, it was just
1: really classy on his behalf. I can't speak to his past actions because I just don't know. But in this current moment, in this current situation, to clarify, that's what we mean. Yeah. It was a classy move. I agree. Moving on to why is this episode so serious? I
0: don't know. There's a lot of intense stories. We can't control the news, but Kardashian is super light though. And this is what I'm thinking. We'll go, you know, we'll do these, we'll do the award stuff, and then right before the Kardashian, we'll say the thing we're excited to say, and then we'll do Kardashian, and then we'll be like super hyped for it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> do you guys like when we plan mid episodes? That's what just happened. Okay. So Taylor Swift. In an interview, she was asked um, that you know, she's since she's kind of at a turning point in her life since she's turning 30, does she wanna be a mother one day? And she found the question very sexist, and she responded and said, I don't think men are asked that question when they turn when they turn 30, so I'm not going to answer that now. I thought that was a really good answer. I have to say, I really did. I thought it's true. And listen, I know one can play devil's advocate, like, yeah, well, men don't have like technically a biological clock, but it doesn't matter. It's such a triggering to me. I think that that can be such a triggering question for you. Have no idea what someone could be going through. What if they can't have can't kids? Get, yeah. What if they can't get pregnant? What if it's you know they there's a million different reasons that someone could decide to or to not have kids, or sometimes to not even make the decision their body makes it for them. And I think that we should, whether or not you want to look at it as sexist, I just think that we should all stop continuing this this narrative of of openly asking the woman as if there's nothing wrong with it. It's such a personal private thing. And yeah. especially in a public interview, it's not like you're one of your friends asking you. Yeah. Right? She was she was totally, she was on, yeah. on like right on with this. I I, I agreed. It's kind of like what I was saying. Did I say this on the episode last week about the Mother's Day stuff and about like other things or did I just say this to you privately? I don't remember. It's kind of like how, you know, you think, so someone's turning 30 and you think it's a harmless question to ask them, like, oh, so what do you think about having kids? And you have no idea what that could trigger in them. I experienced, in a totally different um, aspect of it, I experienced that on Mother's Day this year, because obviously you guys know my mom passed away last year. And it's such a normal thing to ask, like, oh, so what are you doing for Mother's Day? You know, not people that you know, obviously. And people, I I totally get that it's such a normal question. Nobody's thinking that it's going to be triggering. And honestly, like, if I'm being honest, I don't know if I recognized that before. I, I fell victim to that situation myself. But it really is a really triggering question. I go through a course of one day. I get my hair done, my nails done. I go to the grocery store and have to, I have to tell five different people, she actually died. She actually died. It's fucking exhausting. At the end of the day, you're like, I can't put up with this anymore. Yeah. And I think that this is a similar kind of thing. It's kind of like, honestly, you know, like Memorial Day. How do you know that the when you're saying, oh, how do you, you celebrate Memorial Day weekend? How do you know the person you're talking to didn't lose someone at and more? It, there's just like a lack, in my opinion, and not to sound like super sensitive about this stuff, I just think that there's a lack of sensitivity that goes into discussing things like that. It's not like wishing someone a Merry Christmas. On specific events or or times in people's lives, I just think that we, as a culture, it needs to be more of a thing to be more sensitive to that.
1: I really feel strongly about it. It's it's very difficult because it really is so the norm, and you think you're being not in Taylor's situation and not asking her that question. Um but just in your day-to-day lives where you think that you're just being respectful by asking somebody a normal question and taking time out of your day to like... Because the thing is, on the other hand, a random person didn't have to ask you about your Mother's Day plans. They're just thinking, oh, I'll be nice and, and wish her a good day. And it, it it obviously, it's there's a level of sensitivity that goes with it. But I think it's in every single one of your interactions, you have no idea who you're interacting with and what they're going through. You could say... um. Anything, and it could be triggering for them. And it's really, really difficult to keep that in mind. But I think there are obvious questions like the ones that Taylor was asked where it's like, don't ask it. You, there's nothing that you get and there's nothing they get out of asking that question. Do you get what I mean? I get exactly what you mean. Yeah, totally. But it's kind of like similar to saying, if you want to
0: if you want to say something nice, like the Mother's Day example, happy Mother's Day, happy Father's Day, instead of asking the person, no, I'm, you know I'm I, not just. No, I know. You. I know you're great. I'm just, I'm just o- offering an alternative, and I know that so much of this, like even the Taylor thing, I know as a man hearing this, they probably can't understand. Just like if you haven't lost someone special, it's kind of hard to put yourself in that situation. But like, just to try to, to try to have that level of empathy without having to experience it yourself, I think is something that we should all like collectively work
1: towards. It's definitely not something that I had. I would always ask people like, "Oh, how are you celebrating?" And it's like, right? You just—it's just an uncon—that's what I'm trying to say. Is that it's just sometimes you do things without thinking. I think everything we do most of the time is without thinking, and especially when we're interacting with people that aren't our close. Like, I would never say to you because I know, what are you doing for Mother's Day? I I understand the sensitivity that goes into that and the way I would word something like that to you and and be there for you or whatever. But if I was interacting with somebody that I had no idea and I just asked them, I would never think, oh, don't ask them about Mother's Day. But I should. It's the same way when you ask a kid that you don't know um, and you say mom and dad. You have no idea what their parental situation is or what they're like. Maybe they're good. Maybe they have two dads. Maybe they have two moms. Maybe they're, it, it's just a, a forced, like, a Freudian slip almost, and you don't think about it. But you're right. We should go day-to-day and think about these things. Okay, not everyone has this situation that I'm in. Completely. And I am, in my own life, going to actively—it's something I really am trying to do, like,
0: work towards being better because I know what it's like. It's to very be difficult, it. and I, and it I is understand. Difficult. No, it yeah. is. I don't blame anyone. I. I it's totally normal. It just— Sorry to get so deep, but it's just a little note that I kind of feel passionately about that I want to share. Moving on to Miley Cyrus. Can you explain this? Kind (laughs) of. You can try. I just think it's kind of funny.
1: I don't know. Uh So, yeah, I'm a little confused. (laughs) Miley was performing her new song called Catitude, which was performed at BBC Radio 1's big weekend show in London. And... I I guess it's a rap, which I didn't know Miley could do. I, I feel like the way I'm talking right now, I'm being very critical of Miley. I'm obsessed with her, fully obsessed with her. I'm just confused by this situation. And one of the lyrics in her, quote, rap was, I love you, Nicki, but I listen to Cardi, which obviously people were upset by her doing because there's so much beef between Cardi and Nicki that it's like, why are A, you getting involved in a beef that has nothing to do with you, and B, reigniting this feud when they agreed to put it in the past? And... Obviously, like, a ton of memes sparked from this, and she kind of jumped on board with it to—I don't know if it was make light of the situation or make it a joke or make it, like, kind of making fun of people who think you can't do both. I don't really know. But she started, like, tweeting and Instagramming like variations of the lyrics that was like, I love you, me, but I listen to Ari. I love you, Miley, but I listen to Hannah. I love you, Selena, but I listen to Demi. I, I, I guess maybe it was a reflection of the way that we treat, you know, pop stars that are similar to each other or maybe feuding with each other. I don't know, but that's the backstory of, if you saw those I love you blank, but I listen to blank, that's the backstory of that meme or that tweet or whatever. Um, why she did that, I I can't explain. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. It to is know. very
0: interesting. I have nothing really to say on it other than, yeah, she, like, she's randomly getting involved, but you know something? We're talking about it, so it wasn't a stupid move, clearly, because if we're talking about it, a lot of other people are also. Uh, no, it was, it was definitely not. A, I think I'm most confused why she's rapping. <laughs> I don't know. Last thing that we want to talk about in the regular news stories before we move to the award ceremony is Amelia Clark, who obviously you guys know is one of the main characters in Game of Thrones. She opens up in an interview this week about not wanting to do projects with sequels, and the topic of Fifty Shades of Grey came up. And this is what she said. I'm going to quote it. just an interesting anecdote. It made a lot of headlines, and people were kind of confused. I'm going to just explain it to you. So she says, and I quote, "'Well, Sam Taylor Johnson, who's the director, is a magician. I love her, and I thought her vision was beautiful.' The last time that I was naked on camera on Game of Thrones was a long time ago, and yet it's the only question that I ever get asked because I'm a woman, and it's annoying as hell, and I'm sick and tired of it because I did it for the character. I didn't do it for some guy so some guy could check out my tits for God's sake. So that coming up, I was like, I can't. She was talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. I did a minimal amount, and I pigeonholed for life. So me saying yes to that, where the entire thing is about sensuality and sex and being naked and all of that stuff, I was just like, No way, am I going to voluntarily walk into that situation and then never be able to look someone in the eye and be like, No, you can't keep asking me this question. Fucking, I was like, yes. Yeah. It's so unfortunate that that's the case. It's so unfortunate that a woman shows her tits once and that's all she can get asked about. But it's also the very sad reality that, yes, I would love to change. But in the current moment, that's the case. And I just thought that her quote, she's so, like, it was, talk about more of a, okay, this is what I have to say about it. Talk about a more powerful way to combat objectification or to open up a dialogue about it, than to literally say she turned down a giant movie role just for that reason. Not even because it's like, yeah. I was uncomfortable with nudity. She never said she was uncomfortable. She was just didn't want to deal with the commentary that was going to come, and knowing that she would then be known for life by that. And it's so fucked up, but honestly, good for her in a way.
1: Totally. I, it's it's really interesting. I've never heard somebody, um, not that I've never heard somebody approach the nudity, but I explain it so clearly why to do it versus not do it. I think that this goes back to the conversation we were having before about like the older generation not really understanding. Sex scenes, to the extent that we see them, are pretty new on TV. I mean, yeah, you had sex in the city, which was a huge deal in past scenes, but the way sex scenes have evolved over the years, especially on TV, is crazy because you used to not be able to show things on TV, and now when you have HBO and streaming services like that, there aren't as much regulation, so... I kind of understand both sides. I understand, you know, from a reporter perspective, being so curious about how doing a scene like that would affect them. Because it is, it's uncomfortable to do, and everyone's seeing it. And and there was that thing when Macy Williams had her sex scene on Game of Thrones, and she had tweeted, like, if you guys thought you were uncomfortable, my whole family watched that. And it's just, I think that people have to find that balance between You know, it's really interesting that you made this decision to do a sex scene or you made the decision to be nude on camera and and tell me about that from an artistic perspective or from how you think that affected your camera versus you showed your tits on TV. And I think people really have to find that balance because I don't think it's inappropriate to ask about a sex scene on TV. I think it's appropriate to ask about a sex scene on TV when you're doing it in an objectifying way.
0: Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Um, also just quickly not to talk about it but I just want to say that Rihanna debuted her Fendi line in Paris and we are thrilled for her I'm so in love with Rihanna I don't even know what to do about it okay so as you guys know we are fully obsessed with all things Bravo it is no secret And that's why we are really excited that we've kind of partnered with Bravo to tell you guys a little about Bravo's Below Deck Mediterranean. And for the next couple of weeks, you may be hearing uh, on our voicemail line from some of the castmates. So I think today we're hearing from Colin. So let's pop over and see what he has to say.
1: Hi, Emma and Julie. It's Colin from Bravo's Below Deck Mediterranean. I just wanted to drop in and thank you two for being such big Bravo fans. This season's one of my favorites yet because of the crazy crew that we have on Motor Yacht Sirocco. Don't miss out on any of the fun, and make sure to watch every Monday on Bravo.
0: It's <laughs> like kind of cool that he's just in our podcast, isn't it? My God. <laughs> Colin. So you guys may be hearing you know, some things like that over the next couple of weeks. We're really excited to be partnering with Bravo on this. And again, Bravo's Below Deck Mediterranean. New episodes every Monday at 9, 8 central, only on Bravo. Definitely check it out. Okay, moving on now to our award ceremony. The funniest comment there are two nominees, but to me, I think its I think I have a clear winner. But I'll, I'll name them both. The first was D. Wade. So he posted a shirtless picture of himself just looking incredibly sexy. And Chrissy Teigen commented, I unlike this in fear of being weird, at Gab Union, at John Legend. If you saw it, just know I do not like it. I liked <laughs> so, it. I liked it too. We were like, don't worry, Chrissy. We liked it on your behalf. And then David Spade posted a picture of him and Sarah Michelle Gellar as a throwback. He wrote, "He wrote, hashtag TBT, Buffy, and totally buff. And someone comments, I think you're attractive, and my friends give me a tough time about it. And he responds, Keep fighting the good fight. I love that one. (laughs) He's the winner to me. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I just thought it was so funny.
1: But don't you worry, Chrissy. You're getting a chance to redeem yourself in the next section. Yeah, Yeah. coming up. So Stay tuned. (laughs) Okay, best clapback, two nominees.
0: The first is, and I wanted to say this also because I just wanted to quickly explain the backstory, which we'll get into in the Kardashian recap. But James Charles uploaded a picture of him and Kylie Jenner at her Kylie Skin launch, which don't worry, everyone, we're going to talk in-depthly about in the next section. And he made the caption, sisters. And she, someone commented, but she unfollowed you, lol. And he responds, she never followed in the first place, lol. Stop believing everything you read on the internet. Which I have to say, thank you, James. That was a valuable piece of insight. We all, we all thought that she unfollowed.
1: Yeah, James is like... <laughs> I just can't deal with James trying to get in with Stormy (laughs) wait what she's talking about is that they were at (laughs)
0: they, they were at a mutual friend's Birthday party this weekend, and you see a video of Kylie and Stormy It was a
1: kid's party. Why was James there? He's clearly trying to get into Stormy's good side. This has not this was a playdate between Stormy and James Charles. It had nothing to do with Kylie. Kylie is supervising James trying to move in and become Stormy's best friend. It was
0: so funny. Which honestly, there's no clearly the goal here is that we're please be clear, we're not making any sort of uh pedophile like thing. It's that no! he's No, occasionally but people are fucking crazy. I have to say he obviously wants to get close to Kylie and honestly on his part fucking smart move there's no way to get closer to Kylie than to get close to Stormy that's probably why Jordan she still follows Jordan
1: Stormy's looking over James Charles resume like I don't know <laughs> it might be bad look for us he's like she's like she's like mom who is this Tati girl because she has some shit to say oh my god
0: if I see Stormy with Tati I'd lose it I would literally lose <sighs> it but we have to make that a meme Let's make that a meme after this. Okay, the second nominee was. Can we go home now and make memes? <laughs> the second was we posted that picture of Chrissy that her comment on on debates is kind of a meta award ceremony. And someone comments, "Chrissy's the light of this world." And someone else is on our post, and someone else responds and says, "She's the most talentless celebrity of all time." And she responds and goes, "Baby, stop following me."
1: Then. Do you understand that Chrissy, in order to know that, had to go to her followers, type in this person's username, and check to see if she was following her? Yeah, it's amazing. That's why we love, we've said it from the
0: very beginning,
1: we love a clapback that requires a little extra work. You know what it is? Tell me. Let me tell you.
0: <laughs> Julie just put up her pen like so excited.
1: I've, first of all, had every single outline is my is my signature 700 times during this podcast because Evan told me I was about to go on my phone anymore because I played a Sunday service thing in the middle of the recording. <laughs> wait,
0: wait. In the, you, you, we cut it out so you don't know. Literally in the beginning of the episode, we're, we're in like a very good flow and all of a sudden just hear, like, gospel music. And I'm like,
1: what the fuck? She's like, sorry, sorry. It's watching Sunday service. <laughs> it wasn't an accident. I wasn't watching it. It just, like, clicked on it by accident. <laughs> anyway, so I got phone privileges taken away. <laughs> and anyways, what was I saying? Um, oh, 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 the reason I love Chrissy so much, and I think everyone does— is because something you and I talk about a lot is going the extra mile for the joke, and that's what Chrissy does. Chrissy, by no means, she could have come up with any other clapback. She by no means needed to check to see if this person was following her. She does it for the joke, and I love that about
0: her. I completely agree. So congratulations, David Spade and Chrissy Deegan. You are the recipient for this week's best comment and best clapback of the week. Funniest comment. Also, I want to just make an honorable mention to the our post about the vagina name thing.
1: I loved that. I love when these things happen.
0: There is nothing we love more than when we post one. It's like, oh, the color of your this and this and this, and celebrities start commenting on it. This made so many articles. Did you even see Pop Sugar did a whole, I, like—
1: I, I didn't even see. Yeah, I have my <laughs> I have my Google notifications turned on. You're not the only one.
0: People did a whole thing. It was really interesting. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow's Forensic Files was my favorite.
1: No, Laverne Cox's was really funny. What was it? Hold on, let me pull it up. Okay. It was really funny. There were a lot of really good ones. Who else had funny ones? Somebody said Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, Johnny Knoxville said Deadwood. Laverne Cox's was Beachfront Bargain Hunt Renovation. Yeah, that's, that's funny. funny. That's very funny. I thought ours was funny too. Ours oh, was my. A guess. lot of people commented their own things. What do you mean? Like, a lot of people commenting things that they were in. Oh, like Kelly Coco commenting the Big Bang Theory? Yeah, and Crystal Leah commented Whitney. Did
0: you know that she followed us after that? Yes, we, did. we talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it. Um, okay, before we move on to our Kardashian recap, which is incredibly stacked, and there's so many things, I can't wait any longer. We have to just say it. Fucking say it. Um, okay. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, you guys. So, we all the time get DMs and emails and things kind of of everybody who just like gets this stuff as much as we do and freaks out about it and kind of wants another way to connect that isn't just the podcast. And we wanted to, but we knew that we never like to do anything just to do it. Like we want to make sure that it's done right and done strategically. And that is why <laughs> we have decided to do a Patreon. And Sunday, this coming Sunday, June 2nd, we are launching our Patreon. We are so Fucking excited! Uh, we'll probably post about it like a couple days before, just to, to on our story. Literally, I can't wait. It's the first time we're telling anyone, by the way. Like literally, it's us. Isabel and our manager, and, and like I, I, my dad knows. I don't know if anyone else
1: knows. I, I, I told my parents. Okay, too. and your parents. And nobody else knows yeah. about this. So you guys, <laughs> Isabel told her parents too. Oh, okay, fine. I feel like it's the scene in in I Mama Mia too, where they're, where they're like, "I just told Bill. I just told Harry. I told many, many people." <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. So
0: you guys are the first at us out of our inner circle to know and we're so excited like think about i mean you'll you will see you'll read all about it we're going to post all the details about it there's a couple different tiers and this and that but it's just a really fun way to be able to connect with us more about we had to bring this group of people that are so obsessed with this stuff together it's like there's no way that all these people that listen to this podcast that want to talk for hours about kim Kardashian sync like you guys one have to know each other because this is just ridiculous like don't you think yeah. Like and also we want to be able to talk more about the stuff that we actually care about and like show you guys funny behind the scenes stuff of our account. And the thing with our main account is that like it's very content heavy. We made it a we made it a point to not post ourselves. You never see us posting ourselves. You never really see behind the stuff on our main page. And that's for a reason. Not everybody's interested. A lot of people are there for the content. And also we have a high volume of celebrity followers. So we're like we need to create this community within our community of the re- like the OGs, like the real people who fucking it's get. It's basically it. a friendship dating service. <laughs>
1: Yes. So you'll see more about it. Find your soulmate on our
0: Patreon. (laughs) But we had to tell you because we're so excited and holy shit, we just can't wait to just talk about all this stuff with you guys even more. We just want to take one minute to tell you guys about stamps.com. So here's the thing. No one really has time to go to the post office. You're busy. Who has time for all that traffic, parking, lugging your mail and packages? It really is a hassle. And that is where Stamps.com comes in. It's one of the most popular time-saving tools for small businesses like ours. It eliminates trips to the post office and saves you money with discounts that you can't even get at the post office. So basically, this is how it works. Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. post office right to your computer. So whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. This is how it works. You just use your computer to print official US postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it off in a mailbox. It's that simple. Also with stamps.com, you get five cents off every first-class stamp and up to 40% off priority mail. Not to mention it's a fraction of the cost of those expensive expensive postage meters. Right now, our listeners are getting a special offer that includes four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. So just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in CELEBS. That's stamps.com and enter code CELEBS.
1: Okay, now back to the show.
0: Moving on now to our Kardashian recap.
1: You're right. I am hyped now for it.
0: (laughs) I know. Wasn't it a good place to put it in? First things first, Kim and Kanye, it was their fifth anniversary, and uh, Kim announced her Mrs. West collection, which sold out in seven seven minutes. minutes. It was inspired by the look that Mario did for her on her wedding day. It was like a six-piece. I don't know. It was a couple, a six-piece set or so that retailed for a hundred dollars total mm-hmm. for all the pieces. Yeah.
1: God, what a deal! Less than Kylie's at one twenty-five for her skincare. Even that was a deal. I, know. I don't know, guys. I think the Kardashians are onto something. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I think they're going to be very successful.
0: <laughs> it's just so insane. I also something that someone brought to our attention, or like was talking to us about, which we talk about all the time, is when it sold when it sells out, and then they write restock. It's like, okay,
1: how much did they put in the initial stock? Well, this one didn't restock ever. No, it was a one-time thing with a limit. With lim- usually with limited editions like this, they don't restock. Interesting. That's why uh, that's why the resale value is so high. It's the same, you know they kind of do with this what they do with streetwear where it's like you create such a limited market that when you resell it because there's such a high demand because it was so limited in the first place that's when it gets sold for 3 400 like that's when when prices are astronomical so it, the way she did it here was like okay limited edition come and get it only a few of you going to have it and people want it people went crazy for it
0: yeah it was it was be- i mean the packaging was beautiful it was all pictures of her on her wedding day which she just looked at maybe. that flower
1: wall no no literally Fucking bury me in that. I, I know, I know. Do you think they had sex against that flower wall? It's a missed I, opportunity, not to. By I was about the way. to say, I can't
0: believe they wouldn't. I can't believe Kanye, being the artistic slash sexual like fiend that he is, wouldn't.
1: Oh my god. You know.
0: Oh my god. I can't even talk about it.
1: Um, Fuck. I want Also, that. for their anniversary, they. What were you about to say? Quick game. What? Would you rather have sex against Kim and Kanye's <laughs> wedding flower wall or on Air Drake? On Air Drake. Any day of the fucking week. I agree, but I was just throwing out the question. Wait, now I'm. Freaking. That flower wall is pretty iconic, though. The
0: flower wall was iconic, but number one, who knows how sturdy it was, and number two, sturdy.
1: They weren't. They weren't putting something that was flimsy. Imagine the mine <laughs> wind. No, no, that was sturdy. I, I, I like to believe that. Let me just very quickly walk you through what an experience
0: having sex on Air Drake would be. Uh,
1: you don't need to walk me through. It. I think about it every day. You walk up those stairs. You nope. go to
0: Oh my! I can't talk about it. We, we got to stop. This just turned into a full point. Yeah, no, no, we can't talk Sorry, about it. Sorry, guys. Let's, let's move on. Um, what I wanted to say about their anniversary was that Kim surprised her with tickets to Celine Dion, and Kim was in this, like, very cool uh, white kind of bedazzled jumpsuit, and Connie was in the exact same outfit that he wore to the Met Gala, which clearly was another— attempt at just making himself blend into the background. He just really likes that jacket. No, I think that it was it was totally intentional. Of like, this was Kim's moment. He was taking her, you know what I mean? Like he wanted her and Celine to shine. He could have put on a different black bomber, by the way.
1: That's what I'm saying. I think it was intentional. Um, no, I, I think he still could have let her shine in a different black bomber, is what I'm saying. Oh. Like, I, you don't need to. But I, I guess he was like, I don't even want to debut another it outfit. It seems a little <laughs> off brand for Kanye to wear something to a Celine Dion concert that he also wore to the Met Gala. It just seems very off for him. Yeah. Who knows, um, in other
0: like Kardashian cosmetics news. So Kylie's skin, which we were all so anxious or anticipating the res- the response. I did a lot of research. Okay, remember how people were so negative when it first came out? The, walnuts the walnut and the scrub? scrub. Have you seen any major backlash yet? I personally have it, and I want to make it clear, I'm not just I'm not just using my sources from what Kylie posted on her, like, story of the tweets. Obviously, she's always going to post the positive ones. I did a little research on Twitter, and people, the people that I saw were talking negatively,
1: weren't talking negatively after they used it. Yes. I just, not that I don't think it's a great product. I'm sure it's great. I, I believe the only thing I will say is that the reason that you haven't seen anything negative yet, maybe, is because— all of the criticism towards the product were long-term effects, not short-term.
0: Totally. But I'm I'm not just on Juana-wise. Like, I was curious about other things, too. But people seem to really like it. For, from what I saw, again, I don't know. Let's wait. And, I think that next week when we do this, we'll have more to say because we'll see what people are saying. But I'm just curious. I, I don't know why I was so fascinated to see the response of that. You know why? Because we're fascinated by it all. Em. I know. It, but it's like, listen, I love Kylie to death. I'm not straying from my Neutrogena makeup wipes. It's just not going to happen.
1: <laughs> Whoa. Bold statement. <laughs> Would you look who discovered Neutrogena face wipes? <laughs> Would you? I wouldn't stray from anything I put on my face. See? Um, so she also had a party
0: about the launch, which was insane. And this was when, yes, we got so many people sending us that James Charles was there. Yes, he was. He was there, there for Stormy. <laughs> and as we know, apparently everything is is fine with them, and she was never following him in the first place. She also had a lot of other like beauty influencers. Patrick Starr
1: was there, Nikita Dragon was there. Don't you think that's such like a <laughs> The joke's on you. We were never even friends in the first place. Like, it's such a weird comeback to me. That's what everyone said. I would have just not responded to it. It's like, what's worse, that she unfollowed you or that you guys, you think you guys are friends and she never followed you in the first place? And I understand the irony of this is that we always talk about how we don't believe that celebrity follows really speak like volumes because, you know, celebrities don't use Instagram the same way we do, whatever. And I just think it was very weird of James Charles to come back and be like, haha, joke's on you. She never even followed me. Like, it's like, Okay, who's the joke really on? Seems like it's a little bit more on you still.
0: I know. But then I think back to, like, Justin not following Haley for the first, like, six months of their marriage. So honestly, maybe they just, you a know A little I mean? different. I'm <laughs> just saying. Uh, also,
1: Jordan's absence was very, very heavily felt. Oh, I think that was the first time where I was like, there were other events that they have posted where I was like, oh, Jordan's not there. This was the first time where I was like, oh. Yeah, it felt this weird. This is where Jordan, like, every picture she posted, every it was like, that's where Jordan should have been. I totally agree. I really want them to be friends again. I know. We'll see. I mean, that's a whole other
0: conversation. Uh, Again, I just want to wait. I'm waiting for the Jordan episode of Kardashians to come out. And do you think think it's going to
1: change our opinion on the way we view the situation? No.
0: I mean, I think that we view it really rationally. Like it was fucked up, but she was also what, 20 years old, 21 years old. Like the whole thing was fucked up. You think after the
1: episode, you're not going to be like, "Wow, I understand why Kylie and her can't be friends again." Because right now, I'm like, I wish they were just friends, and I, I don't I don't see a reason why they can't get past I this. do understand
0: why they can't be friends. I could understand either way. I can understand Kylie taking the approach of, like, she was so young, this was a major fuck-up. Or I could see Kylie taking the approach of, like, this is my sister. If you betrayed her, what would you do to me? I guess
1: not understand—I guess understand's the wrong word. I'm saying, do you want them to be friends again and be able to move past this? Because I do. Because the way—I mean, I guess the thing is, the way Jordan told the story— was maybe not the whole truth, and maybe we're gonna get the whole truth. That's what I'm saying. But from the way Jordan alone told the story, it seems like Kylie's almost a little bit wrong for not forgiving her. If it is the way Jordan told it, what I think, what I'm saying is, I think that our opinions could change because I think more details that were withheld are gonna come out about maybe parts of the story Jordan left out or that she downplayed or or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying.
0: I don't know. Yeah. No. <sighs> When you ask if I want them to be friends, my initial response is, yeah, because I always felt like Kylie needed her as like the point of grounding and kind of as her almost like her other half in a way. But then when I started to question Jordan's character, I was like, well, does Kylie even want someone like that around? I still that's where it, that's where I haven't landed yet in terms of, you know, just chalking it up to just being a, a dumb mistake as a twenty one year old which totally happened that I get. It, and I thought the backlash that she got was crazy and and not fully warranted. But at the same time, is that a a bigger um, indication of her character that we don't know about? And that's what it is. Because if it is, then I don't want Kylie being friends with her. Wait, wait, can I just say one thing that I forgot? I guess so. Also, (laughs) a lot of people say that Jordan is so much better off without the Kardashians. I'm not saying if I agree or not. But it is an interesting thing to think about. They're like, she's living her best life. She's not in Kylie's shadow. So maybe for Jordan's sake it's better not to. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that one,
1: though. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know how I feel because after Red Table Talk and she said her side of the story, I felt really bad for Jordan. Like, I really had a lot of sympathy towards her and the situation and the way Chloe treated her as an adult talking to a child when it was, you know, re- reviewing the fact that the way Jordan told the story, she was at the wrong place at the wrong time, and Tristan kissed her. And that was the story. If there's more to that story, then my sympathy for Jordan can change. But as is with the information that we know, that's all I'm saying, with the information and Jordan's side of the story, I want them to be friends because I have a sympathy for Jordan that I that I feel bad for, her, that she ended up in this situation. And I almost feel like it, it wasn't entirely her fault and she got, I don't know, really put down because of this and really made to be this huge, huge villain and maybe that's not who she is and maybe her character isn't in question and it really happened the way she is. What I'm saying is, I think that as this comes out and the story comes out and we see the other side of it, that could change. Totally.
0: And I would its i would—I would go as far as to say it, it wasn't all her. Clearly, it was majority Tristan.
1: Like, well, that was what you the just point. Said. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean. Uh, we have to see. I don't know. I'm very excited for the way that this, yeah, we'll see. this is going to be a much larger conversation. Soon. Absolutely. I also just want to talk
0: about in other... In other uh, party news, Scott's birthday party. Oh, my God. Happy birthday, t- Scott. Seriously. First of all, as someone inboxed us, like, you thought Daddy Scott was hot? Uncle Scott is a whole other fucking level. He, so they had, so I, I don't know whose house it was. I think it was his house in California, but I'm honestly not sure. It wasn't one of the Kardashians' house. It was either his or Sophia's, if, if Sophia has her own house. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of think it was his because of the light floors. It was dark, so yeah. you couldn't really see. But- they had a very low key birthday party that Sophia threw for them, uh, threw for him, and all the kids were there. They were dancing. He, everybody was in like super casual clothes. He was in his talentless outfits. They had a photo booth where there was a picture of, you know, of course Sophia did uh, and him had pictures, and there was one where it was him. That Sophia Instagram. That Sophia Instagrammed of him, Kylie, her, and Courtney, and and Scott. Oh my God,
1: that was. I have to say. I think Sophia and Scott have an incredibly healthy relationship. I totally agree. I have not one bad thing to say about it. I think that she blew me away with how mature she is. Blew me away. That is not an easy—that is one of the most difficult situations to get into. And I think it goes to show two things. One, she is beyond her years, way, way beyond her years. And it doesn't—it makes the age gap seem so small because of how mature and responsible she is and how she's handled this situation. And two, I think it must prove how good Scott is to her because for her to put up with a very difficult familial situation, and I'm not saying that it's negative, it, it would be difficult whether Courtney was the happiest, nicest, best person in the whole world or the worst, it would still be difficult. And Scott must just treat her so incredibly well for her to be willing to you know, make this whole thing work. I agree. I have nothing else to add to that because I completely agree with everything you just said. Also, Scott- Blowing out the candles was Saint Uncle oh, Scott. I, I'm telling you, girls are gonna start calling their boyfriends Uncle instead of Daddy. <laughs> I needed a minute when I saw because Saint, first of all, is like the cutest
0: fucking kid in the entire world. And then he, so when Scott like motions to him to come over, was he's like Saint, yeah.
1: Julie and I were losing. No, our it was minds. not. And then he picks him up and they blow out the. Like, no, it was not okay. It, it was, was not, not, not okay. Situation.
0: In other Scott news, he did this GQ undercover interview, which I watched, and it was. Like the real, it was like the real me, or I forgot exactly what it was called. And he basically goes online to like Cora and Reddit and Facebook and answers all these questions as himself. And one of the questions that they asked him was his greatest accomplishment in life. And he's like, that's very easy. It's three Penelope, Mason, and Rain, which was so heartwarming. And he also talked about people were asking him, I know you didn't watch, but people were asking him about his. way. The
1: fucking. Do you know if I said the amount of things that you didn't watch? No, I was saying that that's why you're being quiet about it. fucking narc you just pulled a straight up Larsa Larsa. only people who listen to the other episode will get that reference (laughs)
0: losers (laughs) I'm just I wanted to tell you and see your reaction that's why. fuck off and I wanted to pretend that I'd seen it I would just watch it later no it was um, they asked him his secret to like being tan all the time and he was like well I kind of just there really isn't a secret this is how it works you kind of just lay out in the sun and uh, that's it and I was thinking he is always tan like, think about it. He always has a glow. He's a glowing kind of guy. He lives in also California. I know, but he—I don't know. I guess I acknowledge him as, like, having a glow more than the others
1: because, you know, he's not getting a spray tan, so. Yes, but I think he um, his—he tans differently as a result of, of being Jewish and not Armenian. Yeah, it's a different Like, they're just natural. its a different—it's, natu- different, like, they're a more—it's like me and you. Yeah, more olive. They're olive, like me. And Scott gets tan and a little orangey, glowy like you. Yeah, totally true.
0: Um, Any other things? Oh, Kendall and Ben Simmons broke up, which is interesting because her Vogue article had just come out talking about— Well,
1: it wasn't that it was talking about them maybe getting married, but it was kind of— It didn't shoot down the idea. Yeah, it didn't shoot down the the idea. Basically, the reason that it was so interesting is because it was the first time that she had really spoken about him. Like, she never talks about him, and then it's like it comes out, and then, like, what, a day later they break up? Yeah. Probably why they broke up. Yeah, there's really nothing— Do you think that's why they broke up, where he was like, whoa, I'm not ready for marriage, and you
0: hinted at it? No, I honestly don't, because I think she's so chill in that sense. Like, I think she's the last one, especially seeing all the chaos in the family. She's the last one to want to rush things. I think that it just didn't work out because of their travel schedules.
1: They were cute together.
0: We the reason that we can't even talk about this at all, like excitedly, is because we know nothing. And I and I I respect why Kendall doesn't want to give us anything, but it's so hard to almost fake excitement or interest in something. But it's like I I know nothing about
1: this. Like I, you tell us nothing. Yeah. I guess I just think they're cute together because he's tall. Yeah. I guess that's all I know about them. They're hand like he's handsome, she's gorgeous. Oh, she's very and, handsome. Yeah, it's a good couple. I mean, he's no Tristan in my
0: opinion, looks wise, but Oh, LeBron uploaded a video. Of, Speaking of, oh, oh my fucking god! Like, just take out everything bad about Tristan for one second. LeBron, LeBron uploaded this video of him and Tristan dancing in the backyard of some house. They looked so fucking sexy and swaggy and just like hot. I don't have any other words. Yeah, they just like they were hot, hot together. But it was interesting. They tagged. I'm gonna fuck up his name. Ot, OT Genesis. Genesis, is I
1: right? who is Malika's boyfriend. I don't know if he was there. OT Genesis for everyone that doesn't know sings. I'm in love with the Coco. Right. And I don't know if he
0: was um there or if it was just his song that they were dancing to. But either way, they tagged him. Clearly, like, they know him. And it was just interesting that, like, Malika's boyfriend is still so close with Tristan in light of the whole situation.
1: Savannah and Malika probably texted LeBron and OT Genesis. It's like, uh, no more. <laughs> no, no more play dates with Tristan. Yeah, I know. Or no more, no more publicized play dates. Oh
0: my yeah. god. Someone someone sent it to us because in the background you see the house that they're at is a white house. And someone sent it to us and was like, is that Chloe's house? Because hell not. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Uh last thing I want to say is that Sam West is already trademarked. They yeah, they have to trademark the kids. They gotta. Imagine just like part of their I'm gonna to trademark markets no matter what. Just for no reason. Just for no reason. <laughs> Okay, is there anything else that we forgot that isn't on the outline that you want to touch on? Anything that just happened that we wanted to talk about, it, aka in the
1: five minutes in between episodes that we were checking our phone? Yes. What? The Lamar thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Lamar, um, talking more about this book that's coming out from Darkness Light, and he's, he's trying to um, make it very clear that it's not just a book about the Kardashians and his relationship to them, but it's really about overcoming obstacles. But one of the stories that's now emerged is he told a story about one time when Chloe came i guess he was hallucinating i don't know and Chloe had asked his friends for help i'm a little unclear on the story about the way they described it but either way Chloe went downstairs to the basement which was like quote his man cave which i think we had seen on keeping up with the kardashians we a had. couple of times we had and um she like knocked on the door and he like grabbed her by the shoulders he said and um was like, are you embarrassing me in front of my friends? Like, I'll fucking kill you. Like, you don't know what I'm capable of. Like, he was obviously high out of his mind, he was saying. And he was just, a lot of it in the book is just him talking about the different aspects of his life, which he really, like, has to hold this intense amount of regret. And there's just so many things about their relationship that we just didn't know. Like, I, I guess it started to unfold that he was unfaithful and that he was abusing drugs. But it, it never really came out until now that he was forceful with her, that he was threatening towards her in any way. So it's just interesting to watch this continually unfold. And there was another story that came out about um, Chris and Chloe walking into an apart- into his apartment in New York and he was like having sex with a stripper or something and there was like a ton of girls in there and, and Chloe like, I guess like went after one of the strippers and like pulled him off of him. I, it- I think there are so, so many stories that we would die to know that we may not even get out of this book. But that whole relationship and that whole story is so interesting. And I so feel for Chloe for, you know, being able to go through all that and being so public at the time and not, we had no idea. No idea. Do you think she's okay with him talking about all this stuff? Do you think he ran it by her? Yes. I think that there is an incredible amount of respect between the two of them now. And I think that I think she wants people to know about this, and she never wanted to disrespect him by saying it. And I think that if he's saying it on on his own terms, she's okay with it. And I think that he's, you know— I don't think this is so much a tell all about the Kardashians, and maybe that's why she's on board with it. It's more like, here are my fuck ups, and here are the things that happened during my relationship with Chloe that I was upset about, and not so much, here's all the behind the scenes things about the Kardashians. Here's what Chris did, and here's what Chloe did. And maybe that's a little bit sprinkled in, but it's not the focus of the book. And I think that's why Chloe's okay with these things coming out because, you know, none of this is unfavorably towards Chloe. You have to understand that, like, in in a scenario in which, you know, you're married to somebody who's, you know, abusing drugs, who's a sex addict, who's cheating on you, Chloe probably wants people to understand what that was like for her to go to, but I think she loves Lamar so much that she would never embarrass him like that. And I think she's probably just relieved that he's telling it on his own terms and everything that's coming out is the way it happened, and he's man enough and own and, and owning up to all of this. So I, I don't think she has a problem with it. I completely agree. Chris I think she may.
0: I don't think so. I really don't. I think they're both, I think everybody in this situation is probably happy almost. One, that he's sharing his truth, but two, if anything, I think it makes them look better. Like it makes Chloe look even more like a ride or die than we had even thought she was, which we think she is so much. You know what I mean? It really, no, that's going to be fucking interesting. I don't even know. Okay, I think that that is all, right? Any any other things? This is your last chance. I have nothing else. I don't either. I want to just reiterate that we are so excited about the Patreon on Sunday. And again, it's kind of just like It'll be you know when you go on the website w- once it's up you'll see the description of what everything is but it's just like a behind the scenes you know on one level it's kind of a behind the scenes look at, at the account and just some random shit that we can never post we have so much funny shit that we post on our personal accounts that, like we love to post but we can't <laughs> but like for those I don't of know you, who, you know
1: about this we're very funny people <laughs> but
0: for those of you who actually care like you will care and uh yeah I just want to talk about details and just stuff and uh guys we're so fucking excited it's gonna be really it's amazing. gonna be really good I really think it's gonna be good we have a lot of ideas. We put a lot of work into it. Um, and a lot of times has been in the works for a while now. Okay, guys, we will see you next week. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Remember review rate if you feel so inclined and we'll see you next week. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the Conception Aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.